Welcome to the Good Cities Podcast with news and information about city movements around the world. Brought to you by GoodCities.net. In this series of episodes, Glenn Barth interviews author and city coach Reggie McNeil on the content of his recent book entitled Kingdom Collaborators, Eight Signature Practices of Leaders Who Turn the World Upside Down. Today, we focus on the second of those practices, disruption. Hi there, this is Glenn Barth. I'm the president of Good Cities. We're doing a series of podcasts centered on the content of the latest book by my colleague here at Good Cities, Reggie McNeil. Reggie's book is called Kingdom Collaborators, Eight Signature Practices of Leaders Who Turn the World Upside Down. In this podcast, we focus on an aspect of kingdom leaders that Reggie identifies as their practice of fomenting dissatisfaction with the status quo. Reggie, you say kingdom leaders grasp the need for disruption to move closer to the life God intends. Give us some of your thinking behind that statement. Thanks, Glenn. I'm glad to be here. Uh, glad to have this conversation with you. And you bet. I think the kingdom of God is about life, a quality of life, the life that God intends for us to enjoy. And we all know that life that we're experiencing now on planet Earth, uh, while it has its joys and many fantastic aspects, there are things about life on planet Earth that that don't line up with what God's design for life originally uh, was and what his design for life in the future is uh, as we move into the kingdom, uh, into the eschaton. You know, But here and now, uh, when we run up against stuff that, uh, you know, conditions or, or uh, situations that are militating against the life that God intends to be enjoyed by people, uh, it frequently takes some kind of of uh, effort just to get people riled up enough to, to do something about it. I mean, slavery, for instance, in the United States, you know, or England or wherever else didn't go down without a fight. I mean, in a pretty brutal one, um, you know, discrimination, injustice, uh, they don't just naturally abate. Sex trafficking doesn't, you know, unlock the doors by itself. So it takes disruption uh, and kingdom uh, in, in order to focus attention on these deals and um, and also to to motivate and move people, and that's why I say they kingdom collaborators they foment dissatisfaction. They they want to get people riled up, the right people riled up about a situation, but not just to have a riot in the street, but actually go to work on something, so that um, we can move the needle on big societal issues that plague us. And so uh, that that's why I say. Uh, we welcome, as kingdom leaders, we welcome uh, some disruption to move us closer to that life that God intends. That's really important, Reggie. And uh, when we think about the fact that sometimes we just get too comfortable um, living right in the culture we're in, and sometimes Christians are more American than they are really committed kingdom collaborators. And you observe five key elements in the arsenal of kingdom collaborators that they use to stir people up, actually agitate them to move them into action. What's the first one? Well, the first one is these kingdom, savvy kingdom collaborators, they agitate by selling the problem. 
You know, this it's a bit counterintuitive because most leaders, we leap from, there's a problem over here. Oh, well, I've got some solution that I'd like to offer. But, you know, until people get the problem, they're not going to really uh, join in on your solutions. And whether this is moving a church from being, uh, you know, internally focused to being externally focused or or whether it's moving a business into having a social conscience, uh, you know, as part of the business plan or, or you know, or helping a, a doctor, helping a patient, you know, understand why they need to lose weight. If they, if they can't sell the problem, then people are much less likely to, uh, to go to work on the solutions. And so really effective leaders figure out better and better ways uh, of selling the problem. And that oftentimes means that they're also using other people. I mean, when I do consulting with congregations uh, and, and when you do consulting with city groups, um, you will bring in, we will bring in as good cities, uh, experts in the field. They help us solve the problem. I mean, sell the problem. I mean, the educators that, that tell us why it's important that kids be able to have these competencies or something. And so, I'm not saying that the leader themselves has to be the sole, uh, pr- uh, you know, problem uh, deliverer. Uh, they actually often collaborate with others to get people on board with what problem are we actually trying to solve here. In fact, I think that's really one of the issues uh, in, in America today from a political point of view. We can't agree on what problems we're trying to solve. We, we leap to solutions and everyone is hacking away at solutions. Uh, but until we have more consensus on on the problem we're trying to solve, we're, we're not going to get to the solution base. Hmm. Hmm. Well, when you think about it, then Reggie, uh, you know, you've got five key elements. That's just the first one. Uh, could you share another yeah. one with us that move people into action? Well, I think uh, effective kingdom leaders are really great at reframing narratives or reframing questions. Um, you know, uh, I, I'm thinking about a, a, a guy right here uh, who, who called not long ago. Um, he had he had contacted, a, he's a counselor, so he had contacted a bunch of pastor, uh, pastors with his offer of service for their marriage and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, uh, for congregations, he's just not getting response. So I suggested to him, why don't you uh, reframe your offer, make the offer to the pastor, you know, um, and what, how it's going to benefit, uh, first of all, for, for their own marriage, if that's, uh, you know, if that would be helpful, but what the benefits to the pastor would be for congregants in his, uh, you know, not just helping people that are in trouble, but just lifting the whole, um, you know, uh, quality of marriages in the congregation. When he, when he reframed his approach, he was suddenly able to get to the people that he was trying to, you know, to actually get to. Um, you know, uh, I mean, one of the things he, he asked uh, that helped him re- reframe is he said, hey, pastors, would you like to, you know, you know, have you ever wished you could escape those embarrassing conversations with people about their sex lives? Uh, you know, uh, or uh, would you like to know what to say the next time a couple talks to you about their sexual intimacy? Well, now you're on their side of the table. You're helping them figure out, 
you know, and say, well, that's, that's what I can help you do. So, I mean, that's, that's just, a, you know, a little example, but it's a powerful example. Sometimes we, we, we have to help people see it from their perspective. We have to flip the script so that they get it. Got it, Reggie. Wow. I think that's a great insight. Uh, tell us about another element uh, that uh, kingdom leaders might use in their strategy to uh, foment against the status quo. Well, the, the leaders that are getting the most done, it seems to me, in terms of being broadband in their uh, capacity to bring people on board <clears throat> and then effective in their capacity to actually um, have significant change, they all operate with uh, uh, political savviness. Now, the word political, uh, you know, is just get trashed in our culture, but you know, politics in its uh, best form, or the whole point of it, is to get folks with disparate agendas to agree on something to move the ball down the field. Uh, and it's really the, the it, it's the, um, you know, politics is the art of the possible, you know, given, uh, you know, so many different agendas. I, I wish it were practiced better so it wouldn't be, you know, so um, obnoxious to us today. It spells, you know, today people that are looking after their own interests. No, politicians, effective politicians are actually looking, you know, helping to build coalitions around things to get stuff done. So effective kingdom leaders that I know, they, they really agitate with political savviness. They know who to get upset, who to bring into their corner, and, and who, who are key leaders that if they can bring them on board, if they can get their voice into the conversation, they know that other people will follow. Uh, now, what works against that, if, if you're a, a leader that you have to be the hero, then, uh, you know, chances are you're going to be able to do what you can do. But if you really want to move a community to action on something, you're making heroes of other people. You're figuring out the, the, the leaders of tribes that can deliver those tribes into the, 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 the solution. And that's what I mean by operating with political savviness. You know, Reggie, uh, I've referred on other occasions to the 2012 study that was done by the Fed, where what they came to realize was that uh, communities that thrive economically and in other ways as well thrive because people have such a commitment to a vision that they use political savvy to collaborate around that, that, that it actually, that kind of political savviness actually transcends political affiliations and helps yes. people to work together to solve an issue. Yes. And, and that's, it's so sadly missing, of course, at, at our national level right now. But this is why I think uh, you and I are seeing such hope at the local level, um, because at the community level, the grass tops, as you like to say, and grassroots level of the mm-hmm. community, mm-hmm. we see people that uh, of, of different political persuasions, but they have mm-hmm. been captured by a larger agenda than what divides them. Um, and uh, and that's, that's, a, that's when the kingdom breaks in, that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, one other... Uh, feature that you talk about of these kingdom collaborators is that they agitate with a broken heart. And I, I think about uh, how broken some things are. Um, and, and you pointed to the political system a minute ago. Uh, we're looking for that 
savvy leader who's able to unite people uh, regardless of their political affiliation. But the brokenness that we see that keeps us from solving problems uh, really should break a leader's heart if he really loves or she really loves their community. Why, why do you say that this is so important that they agitate with a broken heart? And how is it effective in challenging the status quo? Well, you know, anger works to a point. Uh, I mean, you'd be really upset about something and you can get people around. Uh, unfortunately, we have lots of, you know, we're, we're driven by a lot of anger and passion today. But I'll tell you what really, really touches people at a deeper level is not just passion, but compassion. Uh, you know, if you as the leader have a broken heart about something, that's what reaches out and grabs other people's hearts. Uh, not just their emotions to get them fired up, but their hearts that move them to be willing to make the sacrifices and the necessary behavior changes or, or investments or whatever it is it's going to take. Uh, to, uh, you know, to, to tackle this issue. You know, I'm thinking about, uh, you know, a couple in my own experience here who, who were the president of the Foster Parents Association here in our state for, uh, you know, uh, over two decades. You know, not only did they have kids in their own home that they fostered, uh, you know, just dozens of kids, actually, and they wound up even adopting some of those children. They would have adopted them all, I think, if they could have afforded to do it. Um, but you couldn't talk to Carl and Mary without tears welling up in their eyes when they talked about kids in foster situations and, and the need to place kids in homes and what they were having to, to deal with. I mean, that kind of, of compassion uh, just gets to you at, at the, the deepest level. So, you know, I'm asking kingdom leaders when they think about bringing other people on, uh, you know, I'm asking them, in how are you allowing your own compassion about this uh, your, uh, to, to, to be communicated? Because I really think that's critical. Uh, you know, just written pieces and, you know, blurbs. Uh, you know, I, I think compassion is a hand-to-hand, you know, tear-to-tear, heart-to-heart, face-to-face um, kind of deal. And I think it's important for people to feel that. You know, I, I think of you know, uh, I mean, uh, uh, Martin Luther King or, uh, uh, you know, or Nelson Mandela or, or whatever. Yeah, there were noble causes, but you knew that you were dealing with leaders with broken hearts. And uh, they had good theology. They had good everything else. But they were, they were broken by what they were trying to deal with. And that, that reached out and grabbed people. So when you're saying this, what people are really doing at this point is uh, by being willing to shed a tear uh, or by willing to being willing to cry in front of someone else, you're becoming vulnerable and, and you're yes. showing your humanness and, uh, and you're showing that this isn't just a statistical issue, but it's a human issue. And it really draws others in and they want to become involved. I've got, you're right. I've got a good friend who's right now involved, uh, in a statewide effort, um, to have a massive education reform bill. She sits in a very powerful position, uh, as the executive director of, uh, of one of the uh, education oversight committee for, for the legislature. And, you know, she could just 
work from that position to talk about educational reform. And, and she's got all the statistics. I mean, all that flows to her office. But when you hear her say it's about the kids and you sense her heart about it, then all of that other stuff is there to just drive home uh, a, a leader here who is willing. And, and then, then it's not about her, her positions and her reform tactics. She keeps driving you to the kids and what kind of life they're going to have if they don't get educated. That is powerful. But that comes out of her own broken heart for those kids. Yeah, and you know, um, when we think about that kind of compassion being exhibited, our hearts break over what's already happened. Our hearts break over uh, the fact that uh, some kids have managed to get through the educational system without an education, and now they can't get a job. I mean, we are, that's, that's really kind of a present and a, and a recent past that causes our hearts to break over the human condition. And yet, uh, when you call the folks, folks to move ahead, you have a fifth element that you identify uh, as key to the effectiveness of kingdom leaders who move people into kingdom collaboration. What's that fifth one, Reggie? Well, you have to agitate, I think, with the end in mind. Um, you know, asking people to settle, uh, to, to pony up <laughs> for a journey of endless agitation um, I mean, there may be some people that just like to live that way, but that's a pretty small uh, bandwidth. And over time, people tire of that. No, you've got to have an, I mean, it's Martin Luther King saying, I've got a dream. And being able to paint that dream that, you know, without, that regardless of the color of skin, that people are treated with dignity and, and, and as human beings made in the image of God, or it's a Nelson Mandela who, you know, from prison, I know I've mentioned both of those leaders um, and because they're great examples here. They've got an end in mind. It's Jesus, for crying out loud. Uh, you know, as he talked to people about, can't you imagine a better world than this? And he actually painted a world where people did some pretty uh, remarkable things. I mean, the Sermon on the Mount, um, you know, lifts our, you know, loving enemies and, and you know, do and then doing good to people despite how they treat you and uh, you know, in people having what they need to get along, and uh, you know, but so th- those that the end in mind, I think, not just motivate doesn't just motivate the leader to stay at it, but it also motivates the the people who are following. You know, I'm, I I was just in conversation just yesterday with a leader, a very fine leader who's part of an organization that's undergone a a, a change at the very top at the CEO level. And rightfully, the CEO came in saying, you know, I don't have a vision to unpack here that I'm going to force through. I want to listen. I want to listen to the constituents. I want to listen at all levels. But 18 months in, you know, this new CEO is still talking about listening uh, and, uh, you know, getting a, a handle and a picture of where the organization needs to go. Well, this very fine leader that I talked to who wants to support that CEO and is supportive is saying, you know, at some point you have to actually say where we're going. And, um, and, and because people need to know, you know, how do we pack a backpack for this trip? Uh, do I want to go on that mountain or not? Is that the trip I want to be on? 
So I think the capacity to agitate is not just about riling people up, but able to paint for them, with the, beginning with the end in mind, paint for them a, a preferred future that will motivate them. Wow. Well, that's exciting, and I think we have to do that. We really have to paint for folks what, what a future would look like if God had his way. And uh, God really desires the best for people. We all know that. Reggie, do you have any closing thoughts on this subject? Well, I think if you want to be a great kingdom collaborator, I'd, I'd pay attention to what breaks your own heart, get really good at selling the problem, gather people around you that have the connections and the wisdom to leverage your heartache in the kingdom in, uh, advancement. That's why I say you've got some agitating to do, so go get them. Well, you've been listening to uh, my interview here with Reggie McNeil about his insights into what helps leaders become kingdom collaborators with God and with others in helping the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. At Good Cities, we believe that's a contextualized vision. It's something we need to work out in our own local context, our community, our city, and we need to understand what the needs are of the people around us and what's going to motivate people to serve together. If you'd like to learn more about how you can help your community address those needs as a kingdom collaborator, I'm going to encourage you to contact either me or Reggie. You can do so simply by contacting us at info at goodcities.net. That's info at goodcities.net. We'd love to hear from you, and we'd love to help you. We hope you have a great day, and may the Lord bless you as you seek his kingdom. Thanks for listening to the Good Cities Podcast. We hope you'll subscribe and listen in on future episodes. To get more information about Good Cities, join our email list, or to find out how to get involved in making your city a good city, visit goodcities.net.